Good stuff right there. Uh, I hope, um, you know, I, I want to echo what Matt said. Um, man, it's easy to take these times for granted. You know, it's easy to kind of just roll through life and think, wow, you know, what do we have going on later this afternoon and all these things that are going on. And man, we have got to experience with one another like monumental experiences today. You know, I mean, you're talking about just even with Ben and Sarah sharing, um, you think, wow, that is the coolest thing in the world. I, I enjoy it more than finding out the gender of my own children because I'm not all stressed out. You know, I mean, it's, like, it's so much better to hear it and enjoy other people's. Uh, not that I wasn't excited about my kids. I was just stressed out. You know, I'm, I'm like, I just wanted them to look like Abby and not me. And, you know, I mean, there was a lot going on in my head. Okay. Um, and then just what Jacob was sharing, man, was so moving um, because I think what he articulated so well is that perfect performance isn't what God is looking for, but he is looking for a wholehearted devotion. Yeah. And that's different, you know, and that's something I've been learning even new recently. I started um, working out with this group of men uh, in Clemson. There's a small group. It's called F3. And we, uh, we meet together a couple mornings and we do these, at this workout together on campus. And, and it is the most difficult workout I've ever done in my entire life. I am by far the slowest, weakest, you know, and, and all. But here's what I'm learning is, and I love this about the group, is, is that um, uh, everyone works together regardless of, I'm the, obviously the weakest. If you ever were to come out and see it, you go, that's him way back there. You know, uh, the human rest break, you know, people have to wait for me to show up, you know. Um, but I, what I'm learning is, man, there's a stark difference uh, between uh, being the strongest or being the fastest or being any of those things um, or being the weakest even and wholehearted devotion. You want to know what? In the church, it's the same way um, where you will not get left behind in the church. Um, but what God does require is that you're wholeheartedly devoted. That's different than being perfect. That's different because you want to know what? You could be the weakest person in the entire church, in the entire world ever, and a wholeheartedly devoted person will never get left behind. You know, what ends up happening is you want to know what I do know in this group? If I were to just get a bad attitude and just say, I'm stopping, hey, y'all kind of figure me out. You want to know what? It doesn't work because it, it requires that wholehearted devotion. So I love, Jacob, what you shared. Um, because that's what I'm hearing, and I think it's great. It's saturated in the gospel. Um, so we took a little bit of a break um, two weeks ago. We kind of stopped where we are. We're in this series, Follow Me. And, um, and, and we wanted to stop because as Jesus was teaching and as Matthew was writing this out, all right, one of the things that Matthew stops in chapter 7, and Jesus says something very, very important. He said, listen, if you want to make it, you've got to obey what I say, okay? Because there's only two, only two things can happen. Either you can build on the rock, which is obedience to his word, or build on the sand, and one's collapse is utter. And it says the collapse was great in some of the versions of the Bible. And, and, and what he's saying is, man, obedience matters so much and we had to stop and go hey before we go past this we better be really certain that this is ingrained in our discipleship 
Like when we look at the word of God, it isn't like, oh man, okay, uh, let me just have a quiet time and let me just go out and evangelize and let me go out and do these things. But really that we have a posture towards God every day that you tell me what to do and I will do it. All right, that is so vital to what we've been learning because so far he's really kind of taught us some tough things. It's been a little bit hard so far of what he's expecting of his disciples of people who will come and follow him, okay? And remember we started about five or six weeks ago with the one verse, Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, all right? Here's my question for you right now. Could you tell a story? Because if you just take that one little verse, it's really easy to kind of take it and make it say all kinds of different things, but we're methodically working through the gospel of Matthew because hopefully by now, when we're done with Matthew chapter 7, can you tell the story of discipleship? Could you do that just going, okay, Matthew 4, 5, 6, 7, it has set the stage for the gospel and discipleship. Could you tell that story, starting at repent for the kingdom of heaven is near? Like, where would you, what would you add to that? What would you say if somebody said this? And this is why this is so important. If we can't tell the story, we can't help anyone. We just can't. And you might go, no, 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 I disagree with that. Okay, then we can try. I suppose we can try. But I'm saying if we don't tell the story of how Jesus made disciples, if we don't tell that story, we're going to be stuck with just like, hold on a minute, well, what does our church teach about how to make disciples? And what does this person say about how to make disciples? And I'm saying, hey, let's go back to how Jesus made disciples. And let me tell the story, okay? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Man, that's like the gospel encapsulated right there. And then he jumps two verses later into what? What does Jesus say? Matthew four nineteen. Right, what does he say? That's the whole thing that Matthew records. And fish for people. Here's the thing, is, is if that isn't like ingrained in how we do life, then, then Christianity is really just going to become like a religion. You know, it's going to be something that we do, and we're not really, I, I can't even engage my heart in gratitude, and I can't even engage my heart in the excitement of day-to-day discipleship because it's just a religion. I don't really need to be able to tell the story. Like, because it's not real for me. Of going, man, if repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, like the king is here. All right, he's saying, listen, Keith, you don't have to listen to any other authority. All right, and, and, and sometimes, you don't know what that ends up doing? It kind of wakes up kind of a rebelliousness even in us. And we go, I'm just going to be a rebel to everybody I perceive to be in authority anywhere. I'm going to do that. And we go, hold up a minute, tell the whole story. He said, no, no, I'm going to tell you, I'm the king to show you how to live life to the full and how to help people do it. Now, come and follow me and I'm going to help you make make disciples as well. If that isn't the greatest news right there, you're going, here's what our response should be. You talking to me? For real? Do you know what you're asking? Do you know who I am? It's like what Jacob's saying. Do you know who I am? And Jesus is going, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly everything about you. I know about your immorality. I know about your kind of fickleness. I know your sin. I know your tendencies. I know all of those things. And here's what I'm saying. I didn't forget about you. Come and follow me and I'm going to help you make disciples. 
Okay? And the saddest thing to me that's happened is, is almost if you were to take a poll of Christianity in America, virtually nobody has ever made a disciple. Could you imagine going your whole life and Jesus saying, the purpose I'm calling you to is that you would follow me and I would train you and transform you to be a fisher of men. And at the end of your life, you go, I didn't help a soul become a disciple. Boy, we have missed out on the excitement of the gospel. Okay, now here's the thing about this. Let me just kind of preface this a little bit. Okay, that doesn't mean, man, let me go out and be super awkward because that's what it means to make disciples. Let me go out and be super inappropriate. Let me be super, like, not self-aware. And let me go out and just, you know, completely make people feel uncomfortable and all of those kind of things because surely that's what Jesus did. And that's where I want us to stop and go, hold on a minute. Let's forget everything we've learned and go back and go, how did Jesus make disciples? How did he do it? Did Jesus? Could you imagine Jesus coming into a town and everybody going, oh, there's that awkward dude. <laughs> there, there's a guy man he's how does he can't even make friends he is just so no 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 i mean he went around and people were attracted to him people were drawn to him children were drawn to him sinners were drawn to him you're going wow that's what he's transforming us into it, it isn't a matter of going okay well if i want to make a disciple let me go out and be really weird and use really weird words and, 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 and it, all of those kind of things go, no, 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 he didn't do that. He didn't do that. We're, we're going back to this idea of how did Jesus do this? But then the cool thing, and, and again, I'm saying this, guys, I'm so serious about this. We've got to be able to tell this story. Because after he called us, then he sat down and he said, here's what I'm going to teach you that's so against what we've learned. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. See, the world says, man, blessed are those who who look better. Blessed are those who are more popular. Blessed are those who have it all on straight. Blessed are those who speak better. Blessed are those who have all the worldly things. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, I want you to come and follow me, but you're going to be blessed when you're poor in spirit. And when you're mourning, when you look at sin and you aren't going, oh, hey, you know what? Everybody does it. Let's just kind of embrace it. And you're going, no, 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 no. This is what God is sending me to earth for. To to take you away from this. This is not happy. Sin is not good news. And to be merciful and to be and to hunger and thirst. That's that wholeheartedness. And he tell could you imagine how cool that would be to sit down with Jesus and he says, I'm gonna teach you when you're following me, everything I'm gonna ask you to do has to be ingrained in these inner qualities. Everything about being poor in spirit and mourning and merciful and hungry and thirsty and all of these things. And then he goes in and he starts teaching us how to treat people. He says, you're like the salt of the earth. He says, that's what you are, not that's what you could be. That's what you are. You're the light. You're the salt. Let people see your good life. That's what the world needs to see is let them see your good life. And then he goes on and he says, hey, here, here's the deal is, is, is uh, you know, if, if there's somebody and you have something against them, you reconcile. 
If there's somebody who's an enemy of yours, you've heard it said before, I mean, hate your enemies and love your friends. He says, no, 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 not in my kingdom. Not how you fight. This is how, and, and these are things that this isn't facts we, we, we memorize, but this is like the code of life as a disciple. This idea of how you treat one another, how you treat your spouse. Like there's no divorce. That's not some legalistic requirement. He's saying, no, no, no. Listen, in God's view, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not holding divorce over your head. I'm not like fickle with you. I'm not sitting here like trying to get out of this relationship and you don't do that either. Like when you come together, you stay together because he's telling us a very intimate quality about himself, which is when I married the church, we're staying together. Okay. And you don't treat one another with immorality because he would never do that to us. And he's teaching us how we treat one another. And all of these things are going, wow, this is great. It's hard to think about how I should treat other people. And, and my repentance has to be, I get so focused on how I think other people should treat me. Like, like you can read that and you're like, oh man, if other people start, if they were really Christians, they would treat me like this. Well, that ain't hard to think. What's hard to do is, hold on a minute, let me do what Jesus said. Again, it's that idea of the king came. And there he is, and I'm following him. He's telling me to do it no matter what he's telling, and whatever anybody else is doing, I know what I need to do. And, and I've got to have this internalization of being poor in spirit and mourning and, and all of the Beatitudes, okay? And then he goes on and he teaches us. He's like, if you want to be really spiritual and you pray and fast and give, when you do those things, here's the mindset I want you to have, is let it be enough that God notices you. Because the world, what we want, even in Christianity, is I want people to notice what I do. And he says, that's okay. See, that's religion. And people will notice, and you'll get your reward right now. And that, the word reward actually hints at this idea of being noticed. And he's saying, your heavenly Father rewards you. He notices what you're doing, even if any, nobody else does. All right? And he's telling us that, and then he brings it back to, as Matthew's writing this, to chapter 7. He says, listen. Actually, right before that, he tells probably one of the greatest stories. You want to talk about an intimate story with Jesus. Could you imagine sitting down with Jesus together one-on-one -on -one, and him explaining how much he loves you based on nature? Could you imagine that talk? I mean, how amazing it would be to sit down and you go in the woods with God. You go into the meadows with Jesus. You're sitting there and he's just pointing out nature. He's like, isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that, look at those flowers and it's spring and you see the trees. This is gorgeous. But I love you more than any of those things. And it kind of begs the question, I'm going, but they do what you want. I don't. Like they're doing exactly what they were built to do. Like God, they're not offending you at all. They're not making you angry at all. They're doing exactly what you tell them to do. And I'm sitting here going, dang, I'm pretty rebellious. And you love me more than that. You love me more than that? And he says, yes, I do. Now, here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom. That's what I'm telling you the secret is right here. Is seek first the kingdom. And that's the, story, that's the story that we've learned up to this point. But then he tells something that's very, like, direct. Is this idea, he tells the story of, hey, you got these guys, and they're building their house. And one guy builds his house on the sand and one guy builds his house on the rock. And the difference between the two isn't that one has storms and one doesn't. 
The difference isn't that, that, that one has this perfect life and one doesn't. The difference is, is the one that built on the solid foundation was the one that did what I say. They did it. Like, they were like, yes, I get it. I'm doing what you say to do. Okay? And if that isn't like our very DNA, those four chapters isn't our very DNA. Anything we learn beyond this doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's going to be frustrating. It will be boring. It will feel like you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders to do this without understanding this entire story of the gospel of Jesus. And he hasn't even got to the point in his ministry yet. Here's what I want you to consider. He has not even gotten to the point of his ministry yet where he's told them he was going to die for them. Have you thought about that? We do that like first, don't we? We tell people, don't you know that Jesus died for He's been in ministry for quite a while. He hadn't even told them yet. He simply just said, follow me, and I'm going to show you what that takes because I am from God. Okay, and he's modeling this. And we stopped a couple weeks ago because we said, man, if we don't understand this concept, that if, if our very DNA isn't this, okay? And here's what happens is it doesn't, our DNA spiritually doesn't become this from hearing lessons, it doesn't at all. It comes from participating in a community of faith with one another. It comes with loving and forgiving and, and hanging in there and sharing and correction. It's like what Jacob was saying is, is, it's that idea of, man, I do need encouragement, but you want to know what? I need somebody to challenge me too. That's part of being in the community, all right? And without an active participant, Jesus is teaching us what the church should be without even saying the word church. He's saying, y'all are going to get together, and you're going to need to talk to one another, and you're going to need to challenge one another. And it can't just be, hey, listen, don't talk about this with that person, and don't talk about this with that person. It's got to be, no, this community is going to be like this synergistic group that's going to keep pointing each other to Jesus. Okay? And so we've got to stop, and I want you to think, has this sunk into your spiritual DNA? Because here's what I'm afraid of is is. Gosh, man, I mean, I don't know. You could end up sitting in church for the rest of your life and be as lost as the most lost person you could think of. <laughs> really, I mean, you could do Bible studies every day. You could give right answers. You could have all the information. And in Matthew 7, that's one of the things Jesus said. He said, you never, you didn't care about what I wanted. You call me Lord, Lord, but you didn't care what I wanted. And that's what taking advantage of every situation we have to help one another. But we're at a crossroads because here's the thing is, a few of us, if not many of us, we come from a background where obedience is like, that's, that's really, it didn't even matter how you felt or how you thought. It's just like, you obey. Okay? And now we, we're, we're, we're kind of in an era of rebellion. I will not obey. That's where we went wrong. That's where we were wrong. We obeyed. That's where we went wrong because we turned Christianity into this legalistic ritual. And you want to know what? That's pretty true. But being obedient wasn't the problem. Being obedient was not the problem. Okay. It was how we become obedient. We've talked about two things. You remember what we said is the gospel we believe. 
me and you, every one of us, the gospel we believe will determine the disciples we become. The gospel we believe. So the gospel we believe is that Jesus is just a slave driving, like I'm just going to oppress you and just do what I say and I don't care about you. Then, boy, you want to know what? We will be in a harsh religion. But we've got to kind of ask ourselves the question, where does the gospel and obedience come together? Where does it come together? Do you, it's my thing. Where does the gospel and obedience, where does this amazing message that Jesus sends to us, and he says, listen, there isn't anything you've ever done in your life that makes me love you less. Can you think about that? For Jesus to say that, and, I, and we're in a, in a pretty... You know, in a, in a room where, you want to know what? You throw all our sin in the pot, it's pretty messy. And he's saying, no, 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 no. There's nothing you've ever done that makes me love you less. And there ain't anything you can do. You can't today, you can't be a greater servant. You can't do anything that's going to make, you lo- make me love you more. And, and that should take such a weight off of us. Yeah. To go, my pursuit isn't to get God to love me more. My pursuit is to respond to the love he's already shown me. That's it. I'm just going, really, our response should be, really? This is too good. This really is too, like, no, 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 you can't be talking about me. That's how we know we understand grace. Because we're going, no, 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 if you knew me, you wouldn't have done that. And Jesus is going, aha, now you get it. Now you get it. Me and you don't deserve it. Me and you can't earn it. Me and you can't do it. And he's going, but that's why I gave it to you, because you can't do it on your own. And there should be a point of just going, wow, I feel just freed up from the gospel. All right? (laughs) But then Jesus goes, but now do this. (laughs) But obey me. In John 14, verse 15, he actually says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus is like, this is my love language. If you love me, you'll obey me. Okay? And we're going... Um, is, it, is it not coming up? Listen, this PowerPoint is going to change the whole ball game. <laughs> Everything, huh? You are counting on it. Yeah, that a boy. Come on. It doesn't. He, he, you have to press the output off on the pro remote. It does. Come on. Come on, man. My performance is going down the tubes. Just love me. You know what? That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But Josh would be very uncomfortable with that. Now you can just press play. Or actually, is the, go over to the Wi-Fi. Is, is, the, um, is the Apple TV connected? That little, that little icon up there. Is it connected to Apple TV? There we go. Now you can press play and it'll go. Bam! Okay, that's good. Woo! I didn't have nothing else but these slides. I'm like, oh, God, it can't be over. All right. Okay, well, let me tell you. I was channeling my inner Alex Burke right there. He He was sending it to me and I was transmitting it back. Okay, we already covered this one, right? Let me see. Let's see if this works. There we go. We did that too. Very slow, very slow. Okay, I love this picture. 
I'm like a picture person anyway, you know, I mean, I'm like, whoa, and I, and oftentimes I use the picture like, you know, there's two paths that diverge, you know, and you pick the better one, and I'm going, but really, the God, what we're learning is the gospel and obedience, what we're learning right here is it comes together in one path, okay, this idea of how does this good news, and how does this idea of Jesus going, listen, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to obey me. How do those things come together? Because, again, if we move on and we don't, like, grasp this, it's going to be really, really important. I'm going to just share a couple things I've learned. You can send this to Courtney, probably. I was thinking about that this morning. I'm like, where's Courtney? She'd love this PowerPoint. She's in Spain. Yes, she is. Um, How many of y'all have seen one of these run in front of your car? And Olivia killed one this morning. Okay, well, this is going to make the illustration even better, okay? Here's what I've learned. I'm going to share a couple of things with you guys of, of, of digging out, like, hold on, how does the gospel and obedience come together to where it doesn't turn into this, this dry, heavy, burdensome obedience, but I don't want to live this life of the gospel out where I'm just like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, just super loosey-goosey and all this kind of stuff. How does it come together? And I thought, you want to know what? Here's an interesting illustration that, I, that I've learned is the gospel and obedience. I, I was driving. Stay with me here. <laughs> I dropped the kids off from school. Driving back, I've got to cross a train track, okay? Well, the train track, the gates were down. Greg was actually having to fix those puppies, okay? Cars are backing up like crazy. It's like the drop-off time for school. And, and the train is coming through, but the gates are broken, right? And I was like, wow, this is really cool. This is a fantastic illustration of, of grace and, and law and gospel and all these kind of things. Is here's the deal about train tracks. You know what the train tracks can't do? They can't power the train. And don't think about the monorail at Disneyland. Don't think about something in Japan. Like, wow, well, but you know what? You were doing that, weren't you? Yeah. I'm talking about Amtrak trains right here, okay? narrow your focus okay and i'm going they don't power that thing at all but without those things we're in trouble without the rails man everyone's in danger okay but there is something that powers the train it does have an engine all right and here's the thing about it is is the gospel is that for me and you the gospel is that for me and you it is the engine that says man this is why i'm going forward this is why i do what i do This is it. The reason why I'm even being obedient is because of the price that was paid, because of the hope that I'm given, because of what God has done for me and I want to do for other people. That's the the engine. That's the power. That's the energy. If you ever feel like, man, I'm just apathetic spiritually. I'm just not into this. I'm just, I can't get myself to praise God. I can't get myself to be grateful. The issue isn't the church or Christianity. The issue is, is your relationship with the gospel. That's it. The bottom line. Okay. But I'm going to tell you the tracks is obedience. It's God saying, you want to know what? I'm going to give you a great gift. I'm going to give you these tracks that are going to take you exactly where you need to go to follow me. Okay, that's what we need. I need both. Okay, if I just had the tracks, I'm not going anywhere. It would be very frustrating to be on a train with no power on the tracks. It's like, thank God we're not hitting anybody. Well, no kidding, because you have no power. Okay, 
and vice versa. If we had all of this zeal and all of this excitement and had no track, we'd be like this little squirrel right here. Okay, you've seen the squirrel run out in front of you, right, before? Right, that's like the motto of the squirrel. <laughs> that's what happens when you're off the tracks. Hey, here's the thing is, is the squirrel, here's the deal with the squirrel. The squirrel's like, I don't want to die. Here's what happens in Christianity. We say, I don't want to go to hell. Like, that's almost everybody's qualification for wanting to be a Christian. I don't want to go to hell. Okay? With no tracks, we're that squirrel. You ever seen the squirrel? And it's like, you're home safe, bro. And he turns back. Yeah. <laughs> or he stops and looks at you. I'm like, ah, I can't help you. I have to run over you. Like, I slow down. When I slow down, you get more confused. When I speed up, you get it, it seems like. Like, you cut across the road, you know? But here's the deal is, far too many Christians are like the squirrel. You got plenty of energy, and you don't want to go to hell, okay? But you're scattering around like, I just don't want to get hit. And maybe that tire is good news. And maybe that other car coming the other way is good news. And then what ends up happening is this. <laughs> Dude, they put the they put the they didn't even move the thing off the road. <laughs> Just painted a line right over that guy. But here's the deal. Here's what I'm learning. Okay, let's not be squirrels. Okay, seriously, I want you to think about your life and go. Hold on, I'm kind of like the squirrel. You know, maybe not running after the tire, but but there are things in your life that you're running after, and it's the equivalent of running after like the car that's about to hit you. Like, how long can you go in bitterness before you die? How many bitter thoughts can you fill in your head before you're dead spiritually? How much immorality, how much hidden sin, how much pornography, how much, believe me, those are all the tires on the car coming at us, and we're going, that is good news. The Goodyear tire coming at me. Is good news. And we're all off the tracks, and God is going, listen, I'll give you the energy, I'll give you the motivation, but I'm going to give you the tracks too so you're not like the squirrel. And try to think about that is, okay, man, how many times am I doing that? I'm running towards the very thing that's going to kill me. Boy, if I, if I pretend the tire's not going to kill me, maybe it won't. And then the next thing they're doing is the road crew is lying a, a yellow line over your carcass. But what are those things? Don't be a squirrel. That, I'm learning that about, about the gospel and obedience, okay? The engine and the tracks are good things, all right? But I've got to kind of figure that one out. Turn to Luke chapter 5. I know you're thinking, I can't, I, I can't pronounce that word. I don't speak French. I don't speak German. I don't speak with, it's not German. No, it's not German. Okay. Here's the thing is, huh? Uh, maybe, maybe so. So here's the thing that when it comes to the convergence of the gospel and obedience, okay, is this idea of, man, I don't want to be a squirrel. I get the train analogy, okay? I get this idea, and it's not, man, okay, I'm going to stay on the tracks just because it's like this legalistic thing. It's like, no, man, this is, this is a gift from God. Peter summed it up perfectly in Luke chapter 5. He simply said this, because you said so, I will. 
Because you said so, I will. Jesus put something together that was so simple and so profound at the same time. He communicated to Jesus this principle of the, of the convergence of the gospel and obedience. Because you, Jesus, said so, I will do it. That's him saying, I get the good news, and I get what you're telling me. If it was anybody else, I wouldn't do it. Because you said so, I will. Boy, Peter summed it up in like no time, right there. That is the, the only response to the gospel, is faithful obedience. It's the only response. There is no other response. To say that I'm faithful and I don't respond in obedience is absolutely the opposite of what Jesus is teaching. It's the complete opposite. Because you say so, I will. So what are the things, I mean, if you think about what Jesus has just told us, if we didn't know any other thing about Jesus anywhere else in the Bible but Matthew 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, what has he asked us to do as his followers? Just what's something that has stuck with you so far that he's asked us to do? And you don't even have to pretend like you want to do it. He just asked us to do this because of who he is. What's something in those chapters, in those four chapters? Matthew 4 and then 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. What do you think? I don't know if it's in those chapters, but I remember him just saying, feed my sheep. If you love me, you'll feed my sheep. Okay. Yeah, so that's later. That's almost at the end of his ministry in John 20, 20? Something towards that. But it, just in this, short, in this short little window, he's already said, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. Way to go. That's the one to throw out there. Everyone's going, dang, did he really say that? Yes, yes, he did. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Because you say so, I won't. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Am I not not worrying or am I? You get me, right? Don't worry. (laughs) Because you say so, I won't worry. Because you say so, I won't worry. But man, when I'm really tempted to worry, okay, the, the temptation to worry is a feeling. Because you say so, I won't worry. I'm not trusting anyone else, but I'll trust you. Boy, that's, that's a tough one. What else would you say? Olivia, you had your hand um, up. Just like being poor in spirit, like giving up control. Right. So what does control look like in the life of a college girl? What does control look like? <laughs> You're like, the Ariel's like, pick the minute. <laughs> But you know what? You're pretty close because we're all addicted to control. And almost everything we do in our given day is an attempt to contain and maintain control of life. Like, let me make sure nothing bad happens. Let me make sure only good happens. Let me make, and, and if those, I can't control those, but I can worry because that helps. All right. So it's like, okay, you don't know what? The king did say, follow me. And he did say, don't worry. And he did say the idea of him even being the king of our lives. He's saying, you're subservient to me. You do what I say to do. You know, okay. We're going to start with some baby steps here. I'm going to be wholeheartedly devoted to this. 
but I'm going to get some help and I'm going to relinquish control. I want to control when I get married. I want to control how I have kids. I want to control when I get a pay raise. I want to control when people like me. I want to control when I want to control what people think about me on Facebook. I want to control what people think about me on social media. Going no more. Because you say so, I will. That's a powerful statement of the gospel and obedience. Right there. Is there anything else? They picked the two hardest things in the entire four chapters. Uh, let your yes be yes. Okay, yeah. It's like right. being so dependable and consistent that all I have to do is say yes. And people are like, it's going to be done. Because right. that guy right. said yes. And right. we know he's dependable. Right. And it's like, in this world, we need like leverage. We need to sign a contract. We need a safety deposit to right. like have leverage over you because you're not the person right. who's in We can't right. trust you. Because right. Because you say so, I'm going to do that. My yes is yes, my no is no. Rock solid. I don't swear on my mother's grave. I don't go and do, you know, and do all that. Pinky swear and no, 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 really and all that kind of, no, 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 no. Patrick says yes, and you're like, that's all you got is yes? That's all I got. That's the weight of what I have. Because you say so, I will. Boy, we've got to use less words probably, huh? That's what I hear from that. Man, I need to use less words, okay? Is you have this, because you say so, I will. And here's the thing is, is this is what is the coolest thing about Jesus. And I hope that we are more and more enamored by Jesus every single day. Because he's doing the coolest thing in the world. You don't have to write down this verse, okay? You know it. This is the neatest thing in the world, okay? Is Jesus starts out years in advance. And he says, follow me and I will transform you into fisher of men. And I'm going to walk with you. We're going to have these little baby steps. And that doesn't mean it's easier, but we're going to go segmentally. We're going to go little by little and I'm going to walk with you and you're going to fail and you're going to succeed. And I'm going to teach you and train you if you're open for teaching and training. See, part of it is, is we can't follow Jesus if we already know everything. <laughs> like, no, Jesus, let me tell you. No, 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 I know everything. I've been there. I've saved the world before. Okay, he's going, to no, no. If you're open for training and teaching, if you're humble and poor in spirit, then follow me, and I'm going to walk you through this, because at the end of this road, I am going to confer onto you something that is so huge. And I've got to know that you understand what faith is and obedience is and the gospel is and that you trust me enough to obey. Because I'm going to ask you to go and do something that isn't sitting in a church. I'm going to ask you to go and do something that is about living your life out. And if you don't understand obedience and authority and gospel and the lost and the saved, and you don't get that, you will not, you will not do what I'm going to ask you at the end of this, at the end of this story. Isn't that the coolest thing about Jesus, though, is, is he's, he's teaching us step by step. He's teaching us how to obey. He's teaching us about the gospel. He's teaching us about grace. He's teaching us about faith. He's teaching us how much he loves us. He's, te- he's, he's saying, no, no, just keep coming closer because, listen, when I tell you this great commission, it's not going to be, oh, gosh, that's so weird. Oh, my goodness, that's so painful. Oh, my goodness, but do you know how we used to do it? Do you know how horrible that experience is? Do you know how? He's going, no, no, you won't even remember any of that junk because you followed me and I brought you close. 
And you will know me so intimately that making disciples is just the overflow of you. And so we're taking this step-by-step process, but we can't forget the big picture of what Jesus is ultimately asking of us. And am I teachable, humble, or coming to church, coming to family group, coming to group of three, coming to soul talk, coming to cross training, coming to everywhere, coming to my quiet time? I already know it. I already know it. That's the opposite of what he's calling us to when he says, come and follow me. It's the most exciting call. And when it's not exciting, when it's not, you know, that doesn't mean that you're super excited when bad things happen. But boy, I'll tell you what, we're on an adventure. We are on an adventure every single day and it's not boring. Okay. There is not a boring day following Jesus. Right. But if you're not there, if you're not, the issue is the gospel. The issue is not knowing Jesus because he's calling us to the adventure of a lifetime so that we will call, as Ben was saying, our children to that, our kids, friends, families to that. This is a big deal, but it's wrapped up in good news. That's what's awesome about this. So let's take this back. Here's what I'd like for you to do for next week is... 30 for 30, Luke 5, 5. Do that. Take 30 minutes, 30 thoughts on Luke 5, 5. Because you say so, I will. Remember, it's not 30 things that you think it means. 30 thoughts in 30 minutes as you are praying to God. Like, God, show me this. Open my eyes. Show me where I'm falling short. Show me what I need to hear of Peter's own attitude. Because you say so.